This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 271 of Horse Tip Daily, a different horse tip, a different equine topic, a different equestrian expert every day. Horse Tip Daily brings the world of equine knowledge to you one day at a time. Today's tip is sponsored by Equestrian Collections. You can visit them at equestriancollections.com. Enjoy today's tip. Hi, Glenn the Geek back with you from Lexington, Kentucky, and welcome back to Horse Tip Daily. Well, today we have back with us again Dr. Johnson. Dr. Johnson's been off here for a couple of weeks, but she's now back with her tip. This is taken off the Jumping Radio Show, episode number 23, and is co-hosted by Chris Stafford. You can visit that show by going to jumpingradio.com. And of course, Dr. Johnson is a very regular here, and she runs Oak Hill Shockwave and Veterinary Chiropractic Clinic based in Calabasas, California. Today, she talks all about movement and gates, and we'll be back with her right after these words from Equestrian Collections. We'll be back with Chris Stafford and Dr. Johnson from the Jumping Radio Show. Equestrian Collections is a true innovator in the retail horse world, and they have done it again, this time with their new shipping program. It's called their Unlimited Shipping Program, and there are two options, and you can choose the one that's best for you. It's simple. Pay only $34.95 one time a year and get unlimited one-way shipping to you from Equestrian Collections. You heard right. Pay only $34.95 once a year for unlimited shipments. The second option is only $15 more. You pay only $49.95 for unlimited two-way shipping. That means even your returns will be covered. That's unlimited shipping both ways for as little as 15 cents a day. Think about it. Even if you ordered every day, you won't pay any more for those shipments. Now that's an innovative company at equestriancollections.com. Take it away, Jenny. It's all about movement and gates. Yes, and so as I said, we're talking about movement and gates, and we have been talking about lameness and and how that's reflected in the posture and the symmetry of the horse. And I want to express to our listeners that the best time for examining a lame horse really is while the horse is in motion. And the the essence of the lameness exam, I think, which is clear, is to determine where the source of the pain is. Now, having said that, it's also important to recognize that not all horses that have a musculoskeletal problem will exhibit lameness, um, either under normal conditions or even under conditions involving sophisticated imaging imaging or gait analysis. So the absence of lameness does not preclude the presence of musculoskeletal problems, and I think that's an important point for our listeners to to take note of. Now, what really is gait? Well, gait uh, describes the speed and the characteristics of a horse in motion. Now, a horse has natural gaits as well as there are certain breeds and disciplines of horses that will have artificial gaits. The jumping horses that we deal with mostly have natural gaits, and those natural gaits are the walk, the trot, and the gallop. The canter is considered a, a collected gallop. Now, artificial gaits would include the pace, the running walk, um, the rack, the foxtrot, and the amble, to name a few. Uh, one of the exceptions to this is the standardbred pacer. There are many standardbred pacers that will pace free-legged, in other words, without hobbles, at speed as well as slowly, and sometimes even in the field. It's not directly related to our jumping horses, but an interesting, interesting concept and very interesting to see as well. Now, moving along from gait, we'll be talking about one of the components of gait is beat, and that describes the number of foot strikes in a single stride cycle. 
Now, that's regardless of how many feet strike the ground simultaneously. And we'll talk about each one of the gates in more detail. So, for example, the walk is a four-beat gait. All four feet strike the ground independently without a period of suspension. And by a period of suspension, I mean when there are no feet that are on the ground. Now, when you watch the walk, it can appear to be, it can be, appear to be a lateral gait, which means that both feet on one side strike the ground before the feet on the opposite strike the ground. Or it can be a diagonal gait. In other words, uh, left hind, right front would strike, and then right hind, left front would strike. Um, and so it can, it, it can appear to be either way. Now, it's, it's critical to evaluate lame horses at the walk because it's important to evaluate their stride length and compare it with the trot stride length. And also, many times, it's easier to see the stride length and also the sequence of footfalls. Um, it's easier to see that, that at the walk than at the trot. Many, and many times in hind limb lamenesses, you'll see at the walk a failure of the horse to track up behind. What I mean by that is typically in a normal, normally sound horse, the hind limb should come up and replace the footprint of the front foot or even go a bit past that. Whereas in a lame horse, many times the hind limb will not track up to that footprint of the, of the forelimb. Now, backing is a, is a gait that's not commonly thought of in the, you know, as a gait, but it is, it's a, it's a diagonal two-beat gait, and it can be useful in lameness exams, particularly in specific types of lamenesses, um, for example, cases of shivers or string halt or certain neurologic diseases that can be helpful to evaluate the horse at the back. Now, moving on from the walk and the back will be the trot, would be the next gait that we'll talk about, and that is a diagonal two-beat gait, and that means that the diagonal pairs of legs move together. Now, theoretically, the trot is a symmetrical gait, meaning that both halves are identical and are perfectly symmetrical. Now, at low speed in the sound horse, this is usually true. However, in, in, at high speed, and here again, I'm going to go to the standard bread just for a minute to, as an example. At high speed, the trotter, the trotting racehorse, has to be in perfect balance and has to, there has to be critically fine management of the weight of the shoes in order for the trotter to be perfectly, perfectly symmetrical. And I, I spent a number of years working on standard breads and, and found that to be a very, a very interesting aspect of the field to work in. And I found that the standard, many of the standard bread uh, farriers are really exceptional and have a tremendous amount of experience in uh, evaluating balance and foot flight because of their experience in working with trotters and having to really fine-tune the weight on the horse's shoes. So just kind of an interesting sidelight there. It doesn't play as much of a role in our jumpers, but certainly important to know that differences in the weight of the foot can certainly alter the foot flight pattern and can be reflective of lameness. It can be reflective of a, you know, an alteration in balance, and it can lead to interference problems and an asymmetry in the gait. Now, in the trot, there is a moment of suspension between impact of the diagonal pairs of limbs. So in other words, one diagonal pair will hit, then there'll be a period of suspension before the other diagonal pair hit. Uh, horses that perform at speed at the trot, the trotting racehorses, tend to have a higher incidence of hind limb lameness than those racehorses that perform at the gallop, thoroughbred racehorses, and that's due to a, a difference in weight distribution in the trot and the gallop. Uh, and I will also include in there our jumping horses and dressage horses also have a fairly high incidence of hind limb lameness due to the stress that's put on the hind limb both from the jumping uh, and the collection. Now, in the trot, you will 
frequently or sometimes see a compensatory lameness uh, in the diagonal limb. In other words, if you have a lameness in the left front, that may predispose the horse to a lameness in the right hind. Whereas in the pace, which is a, a, um, a lateral gait, you may see the compensatory lameness on the lateral limb. In other words, if you have a lameness in the right hind, you're going to be predisposed to a lameness potentially on the right front. Now, moving on from the trot to the gallop, uh, the gallop is a four-beat gait. The horse leads with either the left front or the right front, and the leading limb is the limb that strikes last in the sequence. So, for example, a left lead gallop would start with the right hind, then the left hind, then the right front, and then the left front, and then a period of suspension. Now, fatigue may affect which lead the horse takes, and it may also lead to to a horse either failing to switch to a lead or constantly switching. And either one of those, either failure to switch to a lead or constantly switching, can be reflective of both fatigue or lameness. Now, the stress is in the forelimbs at the gallop is greater on the non-leading forelimb. So it's reasonable to consider that a horse may change leads to favor the non-leading forelimb. So in other words, if the horse has a right fore lameness, he may favor the right lead because the left forelimb the, non, the non-leading forelimb is going to be bearing um, more weight. So reluctance to take a lead may be a compensatory also for a hind limb lameness. Now, the canter is a three-beat gait. As I said, it's, it's a collected gallop. We basically have the same footfall pattern. In a left lead, it will be right hind, and then the left hind, right front land together, and then the left front, uh, and then a period of suspension. Now, Talking about the forces involved in the canter and how that may be reflected in lameness is is interesting to think about. Um, When you have a horse in the right lead, the left hind has to absorb a considerable amount of concussion, and it also has to generate propulsive forces. And so you might think that a horse with a left hind lameness might favor the right hind lead, but or the right lead. Clinically, that hasn't been shown to be the case. Um, it, It appears that the the stance time and the flexion of the upper limbs and the ground reaction forces are greater on the right hind. So it's more reasonable to assume that if a horse is lame in the right hind, he may favor the left lead. I think one thing is important to consider, we're we're frequently very aware in our jumping horses of which lead they're taking. Are they swapping off before a jump? Are they changing leads or failing to change leads adequately uh, or completely? Uh, on course or later in the course. And it, it's important to recognize that, that this is an important observation because changes in the lead and the stride characteristics um, can be reflective of fatigue and they can also be reflective of lame, a lame horse. And the characteristics of these are very complex and uh, are very, you know, there's a, quite a few different forces that are involved in coming to the conclusion by the horse of what feels best to him. For example, you might find that young horses that are early in their training um, may have a disunited canter, but you can also see that in a trained horse that's lame, and sometimes that can be reflective of back pain or hind limb lamenesses, and uh, that can lead also to reluctance to to change the lead from completely from, and normally they should change you know hind and fore together. So I, I think this the sort of the take-home message from this is for our listeners to be very aware of their horse's gait, watch their horse in motion, become acquainted with it, watch at the walk, watch for that stride length, watch for the replacement of the front 
uh, footprint by the hind foot. Watch for the trot. Watch for the symmetry of the trot. Watch for the pattern of footfalls. And then at the gallop or the canter, you know, be aware, is your horse changing leads properly? If your horse isn't changing leads, is it a reflection of training? Is it a reflection of fatigue? Or is it potentially a reflection of lameness? And I think that's a very important uh, item for trainers, riders, um, and all of us involved with these horses to, to understand that many times it's not a training issue when the horse isn't changing leads properly, but it could be a lameness issue. And so that's, that's where I'm going to leave, leave off today. And then next week, we're going to move on from here, and we'll be talking a little bit about the lameness exam and the logistics and fine details of the lameness exam and, and how it's conducted and important factors to consider during that process. Well, thank you to Chris and Dr. Johnson. As I said, that was taken off of episode 23 of the Jumping Radio Show, found at jumpingradio.com. And don't forget, you can follow us on an iTunes app that's provided by Hallway Feeds. Just look up Hallway Feeds on your iTunes app store, and you can uh, download it to your iPhone or your, uh, your iPod Touch, and you can follow us just through streaming right there on one of those devices, and you can stream all of our programs. The first option on the Hallway Feeds app is Horse Radio. And the rest of the application is terrific as well, as it is just a series of news feeds from, from the horse world. So all the different news from around the horse world is fed right into there. So you can do that at Hallway Feeds on their iPhone app. And also, don't forget, you can find all of our shows at horseradionetwork.com. I'll be back again tomorrow with another new expert and a different horse tip. Until then, stay safe, everyone. <laughs>